0: hello and welcome i'm jillian raymond the co-creator of juicy bits and a coalition snow ambassador and
1: i'm jen garecki your co-host and the ceo of coalition snow
0: for those of you who are with us in season two we are glad you're back for those of you who are new get ready to laugh cry and maybe pee your pants a little juicy bits is about
1: taking the conversations that we start on the chairlift and at the trailhead and bringing them to
0: you to explore alternative narratives that challenge the status quo about what it means to be a modern woman in the outdoors grab your helmet because sometimes it's a bumpy ride fyi friends this podcast is for mature audiences so you've been warned let's get to work and juice the patriarchy Good morning. Lisa, did I just hear the sounds of New York City in the background? You did. We work in the garment district, and so it is a factory, and you'll hear probably a lot of factory noise
1: over the course of this conversation.
0: Oh, my God. I love that. So, you know, for all of our listeners, they may or may not know this, but... Hello, everyone. Welcome to Juicy Bits. Jillian is here, and I am honored and thankful to have Lisa's son on our recording and our episode today. But I am a native New Yorker, and so I regularly watch TV shows and listen to podcasts and try to like put myself back in my New York setting. Even though I love California so much, New York is near and dear to my heart. So, Lisa, those noises make me really happy. So for our listeners, not everyone might be familiar with you or familiar with your company, but I'm super thankful to bring you on the show so you can talk about your story and kind of your business. And uh, so maybe we could start with sort of the Gravitas 101. Yep, so my name is Lisa Sun and I'm the founder and CEO of Gravitas. Um, The inspiration
1: from the business is I was a management consultant for 11 years. And in my first professional review, my first boss told me I didn't have any gravitas. I didn't have any confidence. And when I asked her how do I get gravitas, she said, go buy a new dress, look in the mirror, and love yourself every morning. Which at 22 years old, that's a little bit weird to tell someone. I wasn't making very much money. I was a size 1820. Nothing fit me in the market. And I went back and asked her why I should buy new clothes. And she said... I will teach you how to be a great consultant, but what I can't teach you is when you wake up in the morning and you're the first person you have to look at in the mirror, I can't teach you how to like yourself. So she said, for me, I put on a great dress and I look in the mirror and I pay myself a compliment. So whatever that is, you have to find something that helps you believe in yourself, like Dumbo's flying feather. He never needed it, but it convinced him he could fly. So, we started the company in 2013 with a mission to catalyze confidence in women. Our first product, we patented building shapewear into clothes. So, you didn't have to, you can wear shapewear, but you don't have to, Um, across body types, sizes zero to 24W. And Oprah gave us two pages in her November 2013 issue, along with People Magazine Today Show. And I think it was really that combination of a new and needed innovative product combined with this emotional story of giving women confidence. Um, And so we've been in business over five years and I like to say that we're helping people reclaim uh, that sense of self when they get dressed because from adolescence on, I think all of us live with a ton of self-loathing and that's no way to start the day.
0: Uh, Okay, she's gonna take me a minute to collect myself. I'm like, this is so emotional and so near and dear. It's sweet, Lisa, because we've, it's funny, you know, our story and knowing each other is is almost kind of funny, right? We like randomly met because of your roommate, Tekla, my best friend. (laughs) Yes, I love Tekla. Shout out to Tekla. But I've been following and and kind of watching what you've been up to on social media. You know it's one of the reasons I love social media is it can keep us connected to people that inspire us and to mentors and, you know, kind of just fangirl over you. But to hear it from you in this, it really resonates with me. And I'm literally sitting here like holding back tears and I'm sitting in my classroom. I work with high school students. I work with young women who I feel like this is their constant daily struggle. And so I just literally, we could stop the recording there. And I'm like, we've done our listeners a service. But I, so I just thank you. That's like so well, succinctly like played out and something I think we all, you know, struggle with. And it's wild. I have, you know, I have a daughter. She's a year and a half. I talk about her a lot on the show, but we read this book uh, that was given to us. It's called Everything I need to know I learned from a little golden book and one of the pages is you know get dressed first thing in the morning sweatpants are bad for morale
1: you know it's great that you brought up your daughter because that's something I'm very passionate about first of all I don't think and someone asked me last week about the casualization of the workplace and all of these things And I said I don't think we should get dressed for mm. other people we should get dressed for ourselves that the outer is actually a reflection of what you believe about yourself on the inside. So don't dress for anybody else, dress for yourself and dress in a way that makes you feel good and see something positive in your life. Um, I talk a lot about the dressing room is an analogy for our lives. Um, Every woman I dress, I dress thousands of women a year personally and every woman comes in and she will tell me everything she hates about herself. I haven't lost my baby weight. I don't like my arms. I've never liked this. And I will tell her to pause. And I'll say, "Let's go back to being 5 years old and your mom says you get to buy a new dress. It's my dress, my job as the dress whisperer <laughs> to find something that fits you, not for you to fit into something, and tell me what you want to accomplish in these clothes. Tell me about the things you love about yourself. Tell me the thing that you're the best at in the world." and tell me something you like about your body. Like we have this whole conversation, even before we've looked at clothes, because I said, you're setting yourself up to fail. How many times have we walked into a dressing room and brought 20 things in and we already Mm -hmm. knew nothing was going to fit and you walk out just frustrated. I said, no, this is going to be a different thing. And the woman always comes out and goes, oh my God, this is a skinny mirror or are these clothes magical? I'm so confused. I said, no, it's about changing the chemistry Of your mind, even before you've tried on clothes. And I use as an analogy for even if you don't buy anything from us and you Mm -hmm. just want that mindset, waking up every morning and thinking about something you're the best at in the world changes your day versus, oh my gosh, I haven't done this or I hate that or this person hates me, right? Or I can't believe I'm going to do this thing today and I'm definitely not going to do it well if you just change that mindset that's really the gift we're giving people it's not really ultimately about the clothes it's about how you see yourself and so you know that image from the golden book you're describing I actually would reposition this this isn't about putting on fancy clothes this is about how do you feel about yourself and what is that what do you want to say to the world about who you
0: are yeah it's how it's how we show up and then I love this it's Mm -hmm. like what did you that the outward is a reflection of the inner. So it's like I mean I love yes. clothes. I absolutely love them. <laughs> and I can I can picture that especially being a newer mom kind of going in and being really excited to like shop or get ready for a season or a, the start of the school year and not um, leaving the store with anything that made me feel good. And I'll tell you, that's part of the reason I, um, I love supporting your company. And I would wonder if you could talk a little bit about the creative process. My favorite collection of yours is the Rebels. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if mm-hmm. you could talk about you or your team, um, how you kind of come up with the collections and some of the inspiration behind them.
1: So we have a core value, which is called new and needed products. Like if our company was interviewing to have a job in your life, what would we be interviewing for and so you know there are thousands of products on the market nobody needs another little black dress truly nobody needs it okay um, and
0: you could probably <laughs> buy
1: it 50% off with you know a coupon and with rewards on your card right why do you need us in your life and so you know most fashion brands create hundreds of styles every season we have 57 styles total And the reason is, I always say, every product needs to be new and needed. It either needs to be innovative, like patenting a new way of building clothes, or it needs to be needed in the world. And so the Rebels and Revolutionaries collection, as an example, first of all, I love streetwear. Like, I think I dress like a Mm K-pop star on the weekends. I might look like a CEO during the week, but I love myself some athleisure. At Activewear, <laughs> and I was like, you know, what, we're never going to do anything better than what's out there in Activewear. What? What's our point of view? Why do they need us? And so, one of our inspirations is all of our products are named after great women in history because I really think we need to channel her story more actively. And so I said, let's do an Activewear collection that we call Activist Wear. And every season, we'll only do it twice a year on International Women's Day and on Women's Equality Day. We'll do Made in New York, so we're honoring the place where we operate. And we'll honor a great movement or a woman in history and we'll give that money to charity. Um, We'll take all the amazing things happening on the runway and put it into active wear. Like if there's a bell sleeve trend, we'll make a sweatshirt with that trend, right? So it was, I call it the beautiful Frankenstein of (laughs) turning activewear into something you actually need. You don't need another hoodie. You don't need another sweatshirt, but maybe you want one that honors the 19th Amendment and is made in New York and has a really cool, you own this one, uh, wrap front that you've never seen a hoodie with a wrap front, right? It's so flattering. And if you're breastfeeding, it's much easier to get to the breastfeeding.
0: A (laughs) hundred percent. I think I actually, I hope I submitted that review for you online because that was like a a different way to look at it where I was like, I know that you might not need this, but all of a sudden I have a stylish, super flattering. The hood is amazing. And I actually really love the way the sleeves are designed. I got the one Mm -hmm. with the colors of the flag, um, the suffragette's flag. And I mean, I yeah. wear it to work. And then again, it's a great conversation piece with um, students that will ask yeah. questions. And I think I started you know, chatting with you before we started the recording, but I think of it as like that tempered radicals, like how you can kind of present yourself in a way that invites inquiry without you always being the one to ask the tough question. So I love when I'll have that hood up and I'm, we have an open air campus, right? So I'll walk from my classroom to the office yeah. and the kids like they see the Roman numeral and then they see the colors. And then generally by fourth period, someone's got a question for me. And so I appreciate that piece. And I love that. So new and necessary because, you know, I love hoodies, but I didn't need a new one. But that one I actually did need. I call it
1: like a compliment magnet or a storytelling magnet, right? It's like a conversation starter. If you've mm-hmm. ever complimented someone and they're like, oh, my God, let me tell you about it. It's an easy icebreaker. And and that hoodie in particular, no. it's so funny. It's yeah. sold out. I don't actually own one, Jillian. I really want one. I've been telling the factory, please make me one. Um, but you know the the cool thing is if you go back into we have a summer internship program, and we always give the summer interns a real project so that they can go back to school and say I worked on this this hoodie I'm wearing, and this was a young woman who was um, who's graduating from SCAD the the art school, and uh, I sent her around the garment district and she did all this amazing research about the suffragette flag, the colors, um, the XIX, um, the palindrome of the 19th amendment. She actually designed that. She got to pick the logo. She got to like size it and take it to the embroidery house. And so when we brainstorm, like that really came out of the fact that I think hoodies are not always flattering. I'm a Mm -hmm. size 12, 14 girl and you always look Mm -hmm. a little pudgy. I was like, I want a slimming hoodie. So that's why it's wrap front. I want it to stand for something. And so the intern, um, Sarah Kate, she spent the whole summer researching the suffragette movement. Um, And the Women's Equality Day celebrates the ratification of the 19th Amendment. So you know, the the product development process here often starts with, let's solve a problem, let's tell a story. Um, If you use new and needed as the moniker, I always go, oh my gosh. I always feel like um, we have this new product called the Never Tuck Blouse and I was like, I always feel like when I tuck Mm -hmm. in a blouse, it's like bunchy and it comes out and it makes my like lower belly look big. And so my designer was like, I'll put an elastic waist on it and it looks like it's tucked, but it's not actually Mm -hmm. tucked. You know, those are the problems we start with and then we solve them and then we wrap it around the storytelling. Um, the most the best products in the world um, I was asked the other day like what's your favorite brand and I said it's brands that are uh, functionally differentiated but have an emotional call to action so you know why it's better and then it's wrapped up in this emotionality that or this emotional call to action that makes you feel really good about wearing it it says something about who I am.
0: So this makes me really happy to bring you to our listeners, because at Juicy Bits, you know, we're largely in the ski and snow sports industry. A lot of our listeners are mm. um, skiers and riders, We and we support women in all facets of life, but that's generally, like, where we draw part of our base from. And at Coalition Snow, a big piece around, you know, we make hard goods, we also have soft goods, but we also embody a bigger philosophy around the purchasing power of your dollar and supporting companies that are just beyond a product and that are innovative. And one of the things we get asked a lot, you know, as being a ski company that's for women and by women is like, why do you need a different ski just for women? And it's not just about the actual hard good. It's about the philosophy behind it and about giving voice in the industry where there wasn't an actual authentic voice before, right? Not having, the male dominated industry kind of decide what we like or need or feel or enjoy on the mountain. And so I feel like this really just, it's so funny cause they're, they're worlds apart, right? Even, you know, garment district in New York city and like, you know, you know, the mountains of, of Lake Tahoe, but there's so much that connects. And I think also connects women because we do more than just ski and ride. Right. And we do more than just create. It's like, there's just this bigger picture of who we are. And that's why it makes me really happy to, again, bring you to our listeners and kind of hear and and learn more about your story. One of the pieces you kind of um, touched yeah. on this, Lisa, but I, and maybe you were about to go there, but I feel like if you could talk a little bit about any resistance that you've met, cause we do focus a lot with working with like entrepreneurs and kind of this business and you shared that you've been at it now for five years, but when you've been met with resistance or even like levels of oppression or, you know, being in a bit of a dominated industry by males, like how you kind of navigate and rise above that.
1: Yeah, I, I would say the definition of entrepreneurship mm. is resilience, right? It's it's sort of one of those things where at every stage it's not going to be easy and the ones that succeed are the ones that power through and, and find the will to get back up again. Um, I, I would say, and I'll give you one example in particular, but whenever I've met with resistance one of the things that being a consultant for 11 years, I learned was mm, feedback okay. is a gift. So if someone is um, telling you no or not agreeing with you, I often will say, tell me why. Oh, wow, that's that's really helpful. And what if we incorporated that as feedback to make the answer better? And so I'll give you an example. Um, in about six months before I launched the company, I invited 200 people to my home, five people a night for 40 days. Uh, No biblical (laughs) reference to that, by the way, it just happened that way. Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) I showed them my business. I showed them the product and I invited my closest network to beat up my business. Tell me my baby's ugly. Tell me everything that's wrong with it. And it made the business stronger. In fact, um, the old tagline of the company was, be remembered, and someone was like, that sounds like rest in peace, it should be own your moment. And that became the trademark tagline of the company. Um, That's how I met (laughs) Oprah, um, was somebody in one of those sessions said, I'll introduce Mm -hmm. you to her, and it changed our lives. So I always treat resistance as an opportunity to improve the answer. That someone's only telling you no, or you can't do it that way because they want you to improve. Mm. Otherwise they would just ignore you, right? They just wouldn't tell Mm -hmm. you and they would silently resist. Um, I think silent resistance is the biggest indicator of someone not believing in your success. So, um, you know, I've had factories, basically um, male owned factories that we partner with be like, no, I'm not doing that for you. And I will often go back and say, tell me why, tell me what I'm doing wrong or tell me what's in your head And they'll tell me, and I'll be like, oh, well, we could solve that, right? Um, One of my most important mentors in this business, she's 64 years old this year, she said to me early on, well, first of all, she said, you know, only people with no experience are dumb enough to start their own company. (laughs) She's like, I know too much to do what you're doing, but I will help you nonetheless. I love that. Um, She always she always tells me in Chinese, every time we've had a problem, she's like, everything is solvable. It may not be how you thought it was going to be solved, or you may have made a massive mistake, which I do all the time. But she said, it is solvable. And so I often turn resistance or oppression into an opportunity to improve the answer. Um, And if, if it's silent, if it's silent oppression, I have to have the fortitude just to walk away be like, that's not someone I want to be Mm -hmm. in business with, or that's not someone I want to work with, or that's not someone who shares my values. Um, I've had to let people go, um, which has been the hardest thing. By the way, (laughs) the people you start the business with aren't always the people you end up scaling the business with. And that's a really hard lesson to learn. And letting those people go because they're silent resistors on the team has been a real struggle for me because I'm loyal. And I'm super caring. Um, that's been a hard lesson. But any resistance is often an opportunity to make the answer better. Hopefully, that answers your
0: question, Jillian. It does. It's, I'm like, I'm such a dork. I'm like over here nerding out and taking notes on all the gifts you're giving me right now. I'm like, own my moment. Silent resistors don't. They're not. They don't deserve my energy. Every problem's solvable. So this is just, yeah. I'm just yeah. really enjoying. Um, you know, I think your should know
1: by the way, I think your listeners should know that when you did buy your hoodie, there was a problem with it. I think they're actually yeah. like we, we no no I, and, and we have a passion for quality, right? But you're like the end of your um I think string had come off because it was like hand put on. And I said, Send it back, we will fix it. I think it it broke again and you gave us another chance and I was yeah. like, just keep giving us chances because if you don't tell us, you'll never buy from us again, right? So it was one of those moments where I was like, we'll keep trying till we get it right, Jillian. Um, And you taught my team something, right? You've taught them something about what they did wrong.
0: No, and it was great. And I mean, I'm a bit, and I don't know if this is the New Yorker in me or it's just my style. Like I am a total loyal customer when there's good customer service. Like if you don't take care of me, you will lose me. And you just said it, right, as a customer. But I was like, hey, this hoodie was kind of expensive, it's worth every penny, but I put my hand in the pocket and it's not sewn and my toggles came off and everyone was like, I think I had a a label in my inbox within five minutes, it was like a new one was on the way. Again, it was just like, we're human, we make mistakes, we're not perfect. And then you just can own, I think this is a great lesson for life. It's like, you make a mistake, you own up to it. It's okay to apologize. And it's actually really a wonderful thing to fix things and then move on. Yeah. So no, that was a, that was a, that was an easy fix. And it's definitely kept me, um, I love treating myself to things from your company. The one thing I do notice, and I love this, and I'm sure there's like a story behind it, but could, the size names on your products, um, it, you kind of spoke to it a little bit in the very opening part, but could you share the kind of the motivation or even the lens you had when you placed these size names and sort of the importance to the company? Yeah. And,
1: and we're still working through it, right? Like half our inventory doesn't have this new philosophy. We launched it last summer. It's called life labels. Um, I, I found it really frustrating. By the way, there's no sizing consistency in our industry, right? Like you could be a size two at this brand and a size six in this other brand. And what I found in the dressing room, myself included, and again, this is the idea of like, we're always solving problems. Usually it starts with something Lisa has a problem with, um, (laughs) You know, I found customers really frustrated. Like, oh, my God, I've always been a size four. I can't believe I'm a size six. Mm. I'm like, guys, it's just a number. It it really is a number with, like, some measurements that we use to produce against. And um, I started thinking, well, we go extra small to 3X. We go zero to 24. And um, what was funny is extra small to 3X is eight sizes. And I was like, oh, there's eight letters in the word gravitas. Mm. What if we just take extra small and turn it into a G and call it go getter? And it ended up being go getter, role model, achiever, visionary, inspiration, trailblazer, all star, and success story. And that's extra small to 3X for us. And I was like, wouldn't it be nice if you got a compliment from your clothes? So I'm not a size medium, I'm an achiever. Mm-hmm. Or And so we have customers now be like, I think I'm a trailblazer, um, but I might be a visionary in this size <laughs> and or in this product. And I was like, you should live the size of your life, not the size of your waistline, right? Like who cares? Mm-hmm. It's just a number. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's been really fun because customers will now email us and say like, I bought a role model last time, but your website is saying I might be a go-getter. And I'm like, I love that we're changing the vocabulary it's small, it's simple. I do have some customers who are cynics about it. Excuse me, who are like, eh, it's still like an extra small or a smaller medium, right? But I'm like, but for the customers that it matters to or who have evaluated their life by a size or a number, it means something. Um, And on the back of the labels, we still do have to put the number or the extra, we still do have to do that just because of production Mm -hmm. reasons, like the sewer, may not always understand what goes on what. So it is still on there on the back. But I love this idea of living the size of your life, not the size of your waistline. And by the way, you might change sizes, right? You might have a baby and have to go back to work and nothing
0: fits. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's just kind of fun to get a compliment from your clothes. Absolutely. Well, and language is super important. I mean, my understanding in the industry, and this is like super novice, just more as a shopper, is I feel like people have manipulated sizes in higher end brands to lower end brands to sort of give you this sense of a size because there's a value with that size and kind of this expectation of what a woman should look like or should fit into and so I feel like by right. adding really complimentary language to it and just being innovative with it is you do allow customers to kind of reclaim that and own it in a way that and then they can choose to do what they want you know where they're like oh can I get a small you're like yeah we have the equivalent of that you know it's our role model yeah. role model right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and so I, and just
1: I, I think that's well, what you, you bought, right? You bought it. a T-shirt and it said "role model" on it. Um, yes, it's different than the hoodie you have. And I'm like, um, I'm a role model. <laughs> yeah, you are, you are, Jillian. You are a role model. Um, and and the funny thing is, I have been every size. I have been a size twenty-two. I have been a size eight. I have been a size twelve. You know, I've been every size that you can be. And what I tell people is you know, it becomes a hyper evaluative thing, right? It becomes something where, you know, you're waiting to be happy. Like if I were, a, if I were two sizes smaller, I'll be happy. And I always tell people don't wait to be happy, mm-hmm. be happy where you are in the moment that may change for lots of life reasons, but don't delay happiness. Um, I actually had a customer this summer basically said, I've never been this size before and I'm going to lose 20 pounds. And she's a lawyer in Brooklyn, and I said, you know what? Get what's going to help you get through the next few court appearances and serve your clients, and if you gain or lose weight in the next year, I will give you 50% off whatever you want, Mm. and I sent her a gift card. I literally took the value of her order, and I said, consider this an insurance policy. I want you to be happy, and she sent us an email this past weekend and she's like, oh my gosh, I've worn everything and everyone's complimented me on it. I'm so glad you encouraged me this past summer just to like do what would make me feel good and happy. Um and so I think that's that's kind of just a lesson, right? Like, don't wait to be happy and
0: don't let size define you. Amazing life lessons from Lisa Sun. I love this. Now I have to ask a bit because like I said, I follow you on social media, I'm totally geek out on fashion. I love my New York roots. I saw that. This September, you did a show at New York Fashion Week. Was this the first one? Yes.
1: Yes, it was the first one. And by the way, I got your you note. Know, uh, if and when we do the next one, I would love to have you come and have your lovely husband. Oh, come my God. Too. We would. Um, so
0: consider you yourself. You, you're you not kidding. Wait, I have this on the record. I'm, I have a ticket to it. Uh, a- you have woo! this on the record. Um,
1: <laughs> um, what? No, no, let me be clear. I um, I initially said no. I, I don't think, you know, and I put this on social media. I never thought of us as a fashion week brand um, because I had all these preconceived notions of what Fashion Week means. And I won't get into them because, you know what, there's a lot of brands doing amazing work out there, so I don't want to belittle their work, but I just had a certain preconceived notion of it. And talk about serendipity. Someone I had met uh, a couple years ago, I'd given a speech at at, at Wharton, and she was in the audience. She ended up going on to be the brand manager of a really awesome company. And she came to me six months ago and said, hey, we're going to sponsor a Fashion Week runway show and I'd love for you to be the brand because I've known you I buy products from you and we'll give you the money to put on a fashion week show and I was like oh well first of all problem Mm -hmm. solved and by the way as my mom likes to say the world is not small it's bougie small you always be nice to people she's like you one percent all will know each other (laughs) (laughs) all right she's kind of like so it was this notion of like we stayed in touch we helped each other on a bunch of things And I was like, okay, well, the money problem, because putting on Fashion Week is very expensive, you know, has been solved. And then I sat down and I wrote down a list of all the things that I thought about Fashion Week. And I said, could we change those things? So the first thing was, I said, we have to, on the runway, show as many sizes as possible, all ethnicities, and as many age groups Mm -hmm. as possible. And so we showed size two to 20 on the runway every minority group and uh ages 20 30 40 and 50 on the run not 50 20 30 and 40 on the runway and I was like okay well we did that that was one thing that was really important to me and then the second thing is I said and we want to show things that people can buy within two months so usually when you see Fashion Week, that's product that will be on the market six months from now. And I said, if we could get it done in eight weeks, mm-hmm. let's do it. And we were able—well, we're about to deliver our first set of Fashion Week products in about two to three weeks. And so there were all these things about Fashion Week that I said, well, if we can do it as a small company. Let's do it then. Um, by the okay. way, we didn't sleep for three weeks, and I think everyone was burnt out, and our head designer, arup took a two-week <laughs> vacation after it. Um, I don't think we knew what we had signed up for, but it felt good to do it, and it felt good that we did it our way. The one thing I will say, though, and I did put this on social media, I said, sometimes in life, there are things you want, but you're afraid to say that you want them um i when i started the company i was like we'll never do fashion week we're we're just not those you know fancy people who do fashion week but in my heart i was like but it'd be really nice to do it it'd be kind of cool yeah. right wouldn't that be fun to do mm-hmm. And so sometimes you have to admit things to yourself that you really want them and then they materialize in your life.
0: Well, and Lisa, to me, just in hearing you share that process, it sounds like you were able to do it your way. And I feel like that's kind of how gravitas is showing up in the world. It's like, yes, you're in the industry, but you're not gonna compromise your vision. You're not gonna compromise like the, the customer and the values that you have to achieve those other goals. And so I feel like there's there's a, this really clever and delicate way that you found that balance, and I'm sure there's other challenges that will continue to come up as you grow, but you were able to authentically show up, and I think that's just super admirable and exciting. By the way, and specific
1: to social media. Um, One of the things that, and and our homepage, like one of the things that I said early on is if you go on our website, you'll see every size, every ethnicity. We have an 82-year-old woman right now on the cover of our homepage, right? Like I've been really, really insistent on inclusivity, uh, but it comes with a lot of challenges. I make a ton of mistakes on an hourly, Mm -hmm. if not daily basis. Um, And my publicist, um, basically, I wanted to write this blog for a major publication called Mistakes I've Made. And she was like, I don't think people want to hear all your mistakes. Like, (laughs) I think they want to believe that you get most of the things right. Um, But, you know, I do think there is a balance around social media, um, around how much we can tell people about the dark side, because this is a super dark life, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I... It, it looks really inspiring on social media, but it also, there's a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I will be the first to raise my hand on well, mistakes.
0: Well, what's nice is we, for our season, Upcoming in Juicy Bits, a few things that you just touched on, we're actually going to be trying to cover, because we see the same thing in the ski and snow por- sports industry and in, like, women in business, that there's a lot that looks really glamorous, and it looks, like, really accessible, and there's a lot to celebrate, and then there's a lot, like you said, like, on the dark side to it, we work with female founders that have gone up and down in success they've dealt with like you know a lot of haters and just this balance of keeping yourself afloat keeping it positive because you want that's how maybe you want to show up in the world but then also being really vulnerable and really real so it's a big part of how we show up in the world and then also how we like support each other that you don't lose your support networks when you do make the mistake right and that you're willing to kind of show up and And redo and restart so maybe we'll have to invite you back on another episode that we do um for social media and making mistakes because jen and i are both guilty (laughs) of them on a regular basis yeah and jillian i will say my my favorite
1: book of the last couple of years is shoe dog which is phil knight from nike's autobiography um one of the things just for your listeners Like, don't ever be deceived. Every entrepreneur is on, what does Elon Musk say? They stare into the abyss and eat glass. Every day you're worried Mm -hmm. you're going to run out of money. Every day you, because you stare into the abyss because you don't know where the next dollar is coming from. Um, And you eat glass because you do things no one else wants to do. And in his autobiography, there's a little misogyny in it, but I I overall, if you look past that, it's an amazing book. Um, There's moments where he's like, every payroll check in the company bounced. And he had to go borrow $8,000 from the guy who made the orange boxes. And he borrowed $8,000 and handed everybody in his office $50 bills just to get them through the week. You know, like, that's stuff that, like, good for Phil Knight for putting mm-hmm. that out there in the world because then he IPOs mm-hmm. for billions of dollars, right? Uh, it's just, if we don't talk about it, then you think that you're the yeah. only one going through it. Um, my friend Jane Park, who founded Julep and has now founded Toki, I call her my bat phone I call her and I'll be like this happened and she's like oh girl that happened to me three times and by the way she's one of the few women to raise millions of dollars from Andreessen Horowitz you're like she's like that happened or that investor wanted their money back or you know she's like please this is what you're going to go do this happened to me Um, So we all need to hear that. Uh, So I need to talk to my publicist. She should let me write this blog about mistakes I've made.
0: I think she should too. (laughs) And if not, you can, uh, maybe you could, if you want to, if you haven't found us yet, Coalition, um, one of the ways that we are collecting and sharing content is through Sisu Magazine. So that sounds like an amazing piece for us to have. We come out where it's a quarterly magazine, but it might be a really good piece to have in our uh, spring edition. So if she's If you're looking to kind of find an outlet and a channel, we might be a great spot for that. But Lisa, in um, the spirit of keeping the lights on and meeting payroll, how can our listeners find you and support you? Where can they go on social media and online to buy your products, follow you and like you and love you? Well, thank you. It just it means a lot
1: that it's like a it's like a it's a woman to woman battle right now. We're not playing zone defense yet. So it means a lot, Jillian, that you love us. Um, But uh, we're on social media at Gravitas New York. New York is spelled out. I'm on social media at Lisa L. Sun, S-U-N. And then um, one thing I do love to promote is I don't hand out business cards at events and things like that because you're just overwhelmed. But I love LinkedIn as a platform if you want to ask a professional question because I'm really fast on Messenger. It's like text messaging. And so I always tell people if you do want, like, Five minutes of my advice. I will do it in a taxi cab on
0: LinkedIn. Nice. That is amazing. Um, Lisa, this has been an absolute pleasure. And for our listeners, if you want to now, you know how to find Lisa's son and Gravitas. And always at Juicy Bits, we love to hear from you. So don't uh, be shy to hit us up at Juicy at CoalitionSnow.com. And again, Lisa, thank you so much. And for our listeners, we'll see you next episode. Thanks, Jillian.